1: hello welcome to headliners I'm Simon Evans joining me tonight Josh Howie and Andrew Doyle how are you gentlemen you well Very well thanks Excellent yeah. you look fine Oh do I you're covering it up uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of makeup that's yeah. all that is It's we don't need makeup at this time of year we've moved out of the winter where <laughs> we have to disguise our sallow mm. complexions. Half an hour in the sun and you're fine.
0: Wow. Yeah. You not no, find that? I, wish, no, I, I no. wish I got half an hour in the sun. No, I've got Celtic skin. Actually, I
1: say that and then I catch myself on a monitor and I'm bright red, aren't I? I look, I look increasingly <laughs> like Uncle Albert. I'm I, So I angry. <laughs> find... <laughs> I it's the high blood pressure, but can you can you blame me when you see the oh, stories that you today? Let's oh. take a look at tomorrow's front pages. We start with the Daily Mail and PM. I won't let the left wreck Rwanda plan. I think to call it a plan at this point might be uh, flattering it somewhat. The Daily Mail there. The uh, the next paper is the Telegraph. Who have Russians parade captured Britain? Uh, that's not a picture of that sad eventuality. That is Prince Harry, and uh, May, I say Prince, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, if they're still even at that degree of societal elevation. Um, she's just wearing some sort of bizarre sort of crystalline gown. Um, then we have uh, Friday's Independent, who have gone with UK's warning to Rwanda on human rights before signing asylum deal. That's a picture of Pretty Patel in Kigali yesterday. Uh, the Guardian have uh, led with the Rwanda Asylum Seekers Plan, which has been branded inhumane. Uh, by the sort of people who The Guardian speaks to. the mirror have Easter bakes, uh, but that's not their main headline in fact, which is inhumane and it won't work. That again is Rwanda. The Times has uh, Judy Dench, the man who inspired me and the Prime Minister wants first Rwanda migrant flights. In weeks, there's another royal photograph there, very colourful one indeed, with Charles and Camilla in the middle. The Daily Express goes with, no migrant boat will go undetected. They have rather a more positive spin on the Rwanda story and the Daily Star, of course, Always with something a little bit special. I may be a wrong one, but it's okay because I've said SOS. That is basically the uh, party gate, which I think is starting to dwindle now, much to many people's irritation. Those are the front pages. We will be taking a dive very shortly. So, gentlemen, let's see. Who has got the first story? Is it Josh? You're Me, kicking yeah. off this, this one? Yeah. Which one do we... What, what are so, we got yeah,
2: about? this one's... Uh, I mean, it's covered in a lot of papers, but this was from the Times that the Russian warship, the uh, Moskva, hmm? um, has... Which sung. I believe is
1: Russian for Moscow. Are we allowed they, to call it the 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 Moscow? The, the Moscow it sunk. It's sunk. Yeah. They've
2: sunk. That uh, yeah. was only announced relatively recently. That it, it's that's confirmation. The Ukrainians have been saying for the last day or so that it's that it's sunk. But finally, uh, Moscow has uh, confirmed, confirmed, and uh, they said it's uh, been towed to port uh, because uh, co- stormy seas caused it to sink, uh, and also some big holes in the so side. So it's,
1: it's being towed. Underwater, or it was well, being it towed
2: w- when it then. Switched. Well, it's the funny way that the Russians always never want to actually admit yeah. that these missiles hit the ship and basically took it down. So they're basically saying anything to not acknowledge this. So might they're might like, like, "Oh, it was a storm this. that did it, not the big holes in the side of the storm." But
1: I think the idea been. is they were saying at some point they thought they could rescue it, and now it's actually sunk. Is that the idea? Yeah,
0: there is that. But they are, as as Josh says, they are sort of trying to misrepresent it in a way. Yeah. Well, Ukraine are sort of very clear that these were missiles yeah. uh, from Kiev. Uh, this, but this is important for for Russia because this is a major symbol of their military prowess. Yes, it's a 510 crew. Uh, it's their flagship, uh, and for this to go down, is more about morale and, and what kind of uh, message that sends. I mean, they're not having a great time militarily. They seem to be well, especially n-
1: given that this is the actual Russian warship, right. which entered the realms of myth early on in this conflict mm. because it was told to go yeah. and mate with itself yeah. uh yeah. In, by by the the men of what is it, it's called skull island or snake island or something, snake or something. Island, yeah, it, yeah it was it was this sort of early almost uh, mythical encounter wasn't it between Russian might and Ukrainian pluck yes and it turns out the the curse they placed on it has indeed something yeah, it, that's it's right. extraordinary
0: and so much of this stuff and so many uh, when it comes to these kind of Wars is is it's not just, not, I don't mean reputational damage, but, but the mythology that surrounds the, the, yeah. the combat. And- there
1: is genuine mythology as well. I don't know how interested people watching at home will be interested in this, but the, um, the Russian warship was carrying Vulcan uh, missiles yes. and were sunk by Neptune missiles, mm. so it literally oh, yes. is so it actually out the ancient myth, the crash of the Titans.
0: But it has that effect. I mean, it, it's like with the old battles when they used to put the heads of the the leaders that they killed on spikes, so the enemies could see. Yes. it sends a message. It says, yeah. says "Good you old know, days. It destroys,
1: <laughs> it destroys morale, and it and it does. Yeah. It does seem. I mean, obviously, we've seen cities devastated, we've seen uh, gutted skyscrapers, and obviously there are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of. I think there are millions of refugees now, aren't there? I yeah, think So. We cannot pretend that this is, you know, it's all going uh, U- yeah. Ukraine's way. But and
2: these, and these Neptune missiles were made in Ukraine, designed by, by Ukraine right. after. Um, after having uh, Crimea sort of annexed. So right. this is like they came in off the production line just last year yeah, and this is the first time they've really doing the job. Well, it's certainly good news, as I say. It might be
1: more symbolic than uh, sort of overwhelming... we have got 15 ships left yeah. in that area. So. Yeah. Let's see. Friday's Guardian now, and this is the story which I think it's fair to say actually dominates the front pages. The Rwanda Asylum Seeker plan has come under fire from various sources. Uh, uh, yes. It's Andrew.
0: I mean, so th- this is in The Guardian and it's... Talk- Talking about, I mean, uses the word uh, inhumane, but there have been all sorts of responses from various politicians about the uh, Boris Johnson's uh, plan to process uh, migrants in Rwanda. And there are, I mean, for instance, just to give a few, a, a few examples here. So, for instance, Ian Blackford, the SNP, has described it as evil. Uh, Ross Greer, the Green he went Party. Vile and vile. Evil. And he was vile and evil. he was going to say
1: Elvis notes.
0: Yeah, well, he was doing Elvis. anagrams, wasn't yeah, he, yeah. Uh, at that point? Uh, Ross Greer from the Greens has said, uh, Britain is governed by truly evil people. Mm. Alex cole Hamerton, a Scottish Liberal Democrat, said that this is a dog whistle to the hard right. But, you see, whenever we get into these immigration uh, discussions, um, they, it becomes very emotive, understandably so, because these are people who are obviously very vulnerable. And so I, I understand that. But how helpful is this kind of language and rhetoric when we're talking about migration? I'm not, I'm not so sure. I don't think
1: evil or vile is very helpful, but it has to be said this is quite a dramatic and provocative suggestion. I don't know whether it's going to come off, but I did watch Mark Stein on this very channel earlier. Are discussing it and making some intelligent points, and I have to admit, until he went through the numbers, I hadn't realised quite how fast it's been escalating. In only 2019, when in the middle of that year, when Boris Johnson was, uh, you know, was was campaigning to become, uh, you know, to get a decent majority in Parliament, there were less than one migrant a day coming across yeah. on average, less than one a day. Now we're well into thousands, you yeah. know, a year, and it's becoming very. Uh, It's escalating really out of control. I think people want to see something dramatic done rather than just sort of shrugging.
0: And I think to just dismiss that as xenophobia from Mm. the people who are concerned about this is very short-sighted. And the government, uh, what the government are saying is what they want to do is distinguish between economic migrants and asylum seekers. And the people they're talking about yeah. processing there would, would come into the former uh, category. Nine out of ten of the migrants that came over last year were young men, likely to be economic migrants rather than yeah. asylum seekers. So these things do have to be talked about. Which is about. to say
1: we might not want them. We might well, want sure. them, but there well, are proper channels to go through well, rather I'm, than channels to paddle across in a rabid dinghy.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm supportive of yeah. economic migrants and, and, the, uh, and what they bring to the country. I'm also very supportive of asylum seekers. I think we have a great tradition of helping people in need, and I wouldn't like to see that lost. Um, but I would like to see a discussion about the details. It's all being clouded by tabloid rhetoric so that we can't really get to the heart of it.
2: What do you think, Josh? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm a big uh, Keir Starmer fanboy, and we just saw him a second ago just in a clip saying mm. how... Uh, was he saying? That uh, there's no... This government has no answers. And But my question, what is Labour's solution yeah, yeah. to mm. this? Let's Let's have some other options. I'm not saying this is the right one, but I'd like but it to, has see to be what's said, on and I'm
1: no Keir Starmer fan, but I will say on this issue, this has escalated ridiculously un- on Boris Johnson's watch. This is not like something that's been kicked into the long grass repeatedly by successive administrations. This has ballooned absurdly in the last three years under a government which essentially was elected very much on the back of Brexit, which you have to say at least part of that was against the freedom of movement. Well, if instead of freedom of movement, you've just got like huge convoys of, of ribs paddling and, and, and steaming across the channel, that's no better, is it? Well, they're also that kind of saying possible? that this
2: could be dangerous because uh, a lot of uh, people coming over on the boats are going to want to do it before these yeah. laws come into force. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. What about Rwanda? Let's, I mean, we've we spent a little bit of time
1: on this, but Rwanda is interesting because, uh, as again, Steen said, if you ask most people about it, what's the first thing that flashes into your mind? Hutus and Tutsis, right? A, a, a absolutely horrific outbreak of a, of a sort of medieval genocide. But apparently it is a a, a much improved place. It has strong links now with Britain, which it has sought directly. It was never part of Britain's colonial project, but it sought to be part of the Commonwealth, which I didn't even know you could do that, but apparently you can apply for that. We've developed very strong cultural links. It teaches cricket in schools. By all accounts, it's not oh, about a a cricket. Talk. It kind yeah. of sounds a little bit when you what... first say it. You've got Rwanda. But, but Apparently, what... it's not so. Bad. Well, it sounds like
0: you're saying Vietnam or something yeah, like. It sounds no. like, but, but I mean, the government is making that point that actually, to, for people to settle and develop there, there are opportunities there. For, you know, that it's, it's it isn't just let's get rid of foreign no. people, and that's the way it's. it's obviously train them being... to
1: look after the mountain gorillas for a start. That would be nice, and they probably get on a, a David Attenborough <laughs> documentary. I think it's one. It is. A, there's a, there's a lot of wildlife. Uh, uh, protection plans going on over there. Well, that hasn't been mentioned so far. But anyway, I do think it's a much more interesting than... At first sight, it just sounds absolutely barking, doesn't Mm. it? It sounds like something that, you know, the the classic dead cat. But I think there might be some legs to it. I don't know. Friday's Independent uh, has uh, footage which has emerged of Marine Le Pen. Marine Le Pen sounds like another missile system for a ship. Protester being forcibly removed from a news conference. Josh, is this a, a significant moment?
2: Well, I think it was the force with which she was evicted, and uh, she, yeah, she put up a, a, you know, a big poster and uh, of, of, of Marie Le Pen uh, shaking hands with Putin. We've got that video now. Oh, let's, oh, let's have a look at that. Video. I think.
1: Well, you keep talking, but, Okay. Um, well,
2: and uh, she, she just kind of gets uh, jumped upon, and uh, yeah, there she mm. is, and she's even Bo- cut it out. And, Whoa! And, yeah. She is brought she's put it down. into a half, yeah, shake. which I think is. Oh my! I mean, this is. Oh, that's yeah. quite. That's quite uh, saucy, There's a isn't whole it? bunch of them.
0: So <laughs> that that was Marine Le Pen's security detail. Well this now, is it. Now
2: right? they're arguing, basically. She's saying that that was the police doing it yeah. uh, on behalf of the government, and the government has said, well, those are your people who did it. Right. I think I, I have the view, and this isn't
1: specific, you know, to hard right uh, conferences, that if you interrupt an event like that, you can expect rough handling. I but personally I Pro- do have that. Yeah, view I mean
0: protesters know. always expect yeah. a bit of rough handling, that's part of it. Yeah. I imagine uh, that the reaction to it which largely, I mean, that, that image is very sensitive. I mean, um, yeah. that was out there. Marine Le Pen had that scrubbed from all promotional literature and yeah, everything. Which is
1: kind of silly, really, because there yeah. are loads of pictures of Putin shaking hands with pretty much everyone. Exactly. Over He's been a great operator, is doing that. You know, that's part of the skill of being a dictator, isn't it? You get people into. He's like a sort of political version of Epstein. But you, yeah, don't, get not that. Mm-hmm. you don't get
2: that in UK, like when uh, Simon Brodkins did the Theresa yeah. May thing. <laughs> yeah. He was just like left and sort of. De- that's true. His own devices. Here's your. Thing. I would have liked to see Theresa there May the, tackle you know, him. Yeah, there yeah. There take a couple
1: him down. of women burst into a Tory at dinner or something, I think, at one point, and there was a Tory, I oh, yeah, can't remember yeah, his yeah. name, and he had her against the wall with his thumb yeah, he, it, which yeah, was, was a bit yeah, hard. Yeah. But, you know, that was fairly soon after there'd been a shooting in Westminster and, uh, you know... I don't, I don't, As I say, I think part of the uh, calculation of making a protest like that, to be honest, if they have managed to sort of just throw a net over her and and sort of uh, calmly remove her, we wouldn't be discussing it. I think it's It's a win. It's made the
0: point in itself. I think it's a win for the protesters. That's what they will want. They will want an overreaction, particularly with an election like this. I mean, this what's the 24th of April. It's coming up. Uh, It's it's down to the wire by all accounts. Or the polls are, are, are... Uncertain, shall we say, and French politics is difficult to predict at the best of times. So I think this is little things like this can yeah. have major impacts. I think
1: she's, I mean, I think I would still probably back, back on it. Yeah, so point. would but I. But he also. has, he's not particularly but, popular. No, he's at so all, hated. To, and w- yeah. when he
0: won last time, yeah. there was the record number of spoilt ballots in any French election. And the wow. reason for that is people were, were voting for him to keep Le Pen out, not yeah. because they support. Macron, a lot of people yeah. just—he's uh, really hated. I mean, with the Gilets
1: Jean, the way he handled that, you know, he's not like And, and uh, there's some pension uh, proposals. I think he wants to push the age of pension back, which is yeah, yes, like. he wants yeah, to raise they, the retirement age. But system. they yeah, have yeah. to yeah. sort yeah. it
2: out because they've got a massive deficit. You know, yeah, their yeah. retirement like plans we all have. What
1: we're all living for. But
2: even you know. more so over there, and <laughs> they need to sort it out. It's their Mediterranean
1: <laughs> diet. They need but more it, chips. It is interesting
0: that both the left and Macron and Le Pen are both targeting left-wing voters here.
1: Yeah, that's that's what's going to swing it. She has changed her profile quite a bit. I'm not saying whether I believe it, but she has mm. certainly managed to oh, shift the perception in she's France. She's still calling
2: for to be pulling out NATO. Or, yeah, yeah, yes. Or, uh, yes.
1: You know, she's
0: toning down on the rhetoric around immigration. Certainly
1: compared to her father, anyway. Mm. But she was also. Do you remember when uh, Fraser used to be in Cheers, and he was yeah. seen as the sort of, sort of the absurdly kind of highfalutin and pompous mm. intellectual? As soon as he had his own sitcom, they had to bring in Niles, the brother, so that right. Fraser was more in the middle. He became the sort of centrist individual. Well, in a way, she's benefited in the same way, hasn't she? She's Zenmore, I think his name is. Yeah,
0: Zemore, Eric Zemmour, A yeah.
1: properly old-school, hard right. I mean, bizarrely, an Algerian Jew, which you wouldn't necessarily expect to be a hard right. Yeah,
0: I mean, he... he is. Well, at, at first, people were thinking that that would split to the right-wing vote. Yeah. And actually, I think it, you're right. I think it what did What it's done is it's her. made her look it, quite exactly. reasonable
1: and, and a safe pair of hands. The boss of the World Health Organization has shared his thoughts on media coverage of the Ukraine crisis. Josh, let me guess...
2: Yes, so uh, this is in the <laughs> Daily Mail, and yeah, he's saying that the coverage is racist uh, because uh, the, the, certainly in the Western media we're focusing much more on Ukraine as opposed to there are these other conflicts that have been going on in yeah. Ethiopia yeah. and Yemen and Syria. Is that racism or is that um, self-interest? Which is well, I think I think research. it's a bit of both. What I think is. I don't disagree that those wars that have been going on for some time need more coverage. And what he doesn't mention, though, is the Uyghurs Mm. in China. There's possibly a reason why, because it turns out he has very close connections to China. Well, Uh, health organisation
1: are extraordinarily compromised. Well, specifically,
2: I believe he he is. Oh, right. Or at least... Because when he came into power, when when he was running in Ethiopia, uh, they got a lot of money... From China when he joined the WHO and became the leader. Suddenly, suddenly that got a lot more money from China. As soon as he got into power at the WHO, he tried to do a bunch of things. You know, and one of the things was he said that you know, when, when COVID came out, he was just going, oh, look, he was like praising China and saying how brilliant they were and the whole thing. And then, response he, and then his
1: line went dead when they mentioned Taiwan or something. He was that guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So it's I'm the same coffee. guy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. is
2: he trying to sort of pull the attention away from Ukraine, which I know hmm. doesn't suit China's interests at the moment, or the attention, because, of course, they're sort of backing Russia to a degree.
1: I mean, the reality is, I think everyone is 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 uh, guilty of this to some extent, but I don't blame the West because the reality is, you know, we are going to experience some economic hardships. There is the potential for... This was, you know, the territory, the, the resources uh, that were in dispute in that mm. part of the world were a big part of why World War II actually did kick off, you know. It's yeah. a war yeah. in, in the West. Yes, is, exactly. Yeah. It's not surprising that we're more interested in that than we are with Yemen. But we do probably suffer from fatigue with these things as well? Well,
0: I mean, I I would say that, you know, to have a discussion about a lack of coverage on certain global issues and stories is a valid thing to talk about. Yeah. I think jumping to the charge of racism is it's completely not, unfounded. Yeah. Um, because as you say, I mean, the, you know, this has direct ramifications for our economy and our way of life. And, and it, you know, obviously we're going to give this more time. And I'm not so sure that we, we haven't given, uh, there hasn't been press coverage of Afghanistan and Syria, that these things do, we are very interested. Yeah. And particularly when we have direct involvement, I think it's as simple as that. I think it's just another example of the way in which the word racism and the charge of racism are thrown around so casually these
1: days. I'm afraid You're right. Well, that's the Chinese for you. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be headliners without a story on my good friend Elon Musk on Twitter. Josh.
2: Yeah, so uh, he's put in an offer to buy Twitter for forty-three billion dollars in a hostile takeover. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: we can all offer it, but he's he, in a rare position. To it, yeah. us. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's like one percent of his wealth. I've got it on me. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so he, he famously bought nine million, nine billion dollars of shares recently. Uh, or yeah, no, he had nine percent, nine percent of shares. Uh, they offered him a, uh, a seat on the board, and he turned that down because that would have limited to 15%. So this was all... Yeah. By, he, he's been gearing up for this, by and he's offering, I believe, 50% over the share price value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read a nice uh, thread today on Twitter sort of explaining his strategy for this because it's going to be very hard for them to turn this down because they have a legal responsibility to their shareholders. Mm. Yeah. And he's basically said, I'm, if you don't accept this, I'm just going to pull out and sell all my shares. Yeah. Uh, in which case, and it's not going to go way back down again. It's a tricky one, isn't it, Andrew? Because
1: on the one hand, I do think, I mean, getting onto the morals of it or the intention of it, I do kind of think there's an element of bluff in it as well. Though he, I know he's got a lot of money, but still, 43 billion, it would be a huge... Because most of his wealth, as he explained very patiently when he was being accused of avoiding tax is tied up in in yes. um, in Tesla equity, and if he were to get if he were to sell his Tesla equity in order to get Twitter, he would lose control of Tesla. I don't, I don't yeah. think he's going want to do that. Well, maybe
0: not, but I mean, I do think he is very much committed uh, to the problem of, of, of addressing free speech on in the digital age, mm-hmm. and he's a, a fully aware. I mean, it's not frivolous or you know the, no, no. The, the, the the de facto public square, social media is now dominated by people who have a very ideological worldview, and they are censoring according to that worldview, Absolutely. and that really, really does matter, and it's going to be the next sort of big free speech battle, I think. And, and you know, they, there is this collective oligopoly of companies, and that needs to be broken somehow. And every attempt to break it, either through Parler, you know, where, where all the big yeah, tech, yeah. Silicon Valley tech giants collaborated to ensure that Parler couldn't work. Mm. Uh, Gab was an early version. of uh, Then we've got Getter now. Yeah. But all of these attempts, they're, they're, they're just not big enough. Well, right?
1: networks scale more than almost anything else, don't they? If, if something else is a tenth of the size, there's no point yeah. in going there. And if you go to Getter or Gab, there is a is that horrible suspicion that you just go there because You'll want to be able to be really quite explicitly racist or say completely unacceptable things, and so there's. Well,
0: that's that's the problem, know, though, isn't it? If you have a platform that's dedicated yeah. to free speech, inevitably the worst people are going to yeah, go yeah, there, yeah. and then of course uh, uh, activists can, can point to those people and say that's what this website is for. Yeah, but that's not what you know. You. So this
1: would be the best outcome. In yes, fact. it would. And of course, I mean, there might be one or two other billionaires who share his interest in maintaining a town square, in which case it could become something that would yeah. be shared amongst them. I mean, to be fair, Jeff Bezos has the Washington Post now, which is yeah. very nearly as important as Twitter, if not more important in terms of setting the national agenda. Nobody seemed to have a particular big problem. And, of course, we've known for years that Murdoch has been controlling on, on three continents. You know, it's I, extraordinary I, control off, over I, the National I
0: country. think these billionaires need to step up and buy more things. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to, the same for universities. I think the universities are so contaminated by this ideological problem. Yeah, yeah. I think billionaires should step up and buy... Hull, or, 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 or one of the other ones. There's still only
1: yeah. one, we should not allow this to change track totally, but there's still only one properly independent university, isn't there? I the think bu- Buckingham. Buckingham yeah. yeah, and it's sorry. run by uh, Selden, isn't it? Um, or at least it was for a while. Yeah,
0: people, but the, but the, in America, you've got the University of Austin at Texas, the new yeah, yeah. Uh, university. Yeah. How's that going now? Um, well, I haven't checked in lately. That became lately. a sort
1: of intellectual dark web place, wasn't well, it? Well, no, but they've taken
0: people like Kathleen Stock is now involved there, yeah, and, and, yeah. and they, there's also the... Um, Ralston College in Savannah, which is a similarly independent... I think that will be the future because, believe mm. me, like, the, the way in which... And I know it's not all academics, but there's a substantial and very powerful oh, yeah. proportion of academics that are activist first and academic second. Well, you second.
1: get there's a lot of them are on the left and then there's quite a few that are really on the left, yeah, you know, and yeah. there's,
2: like, nobody on the right to balance that out. Josh, what, what's your... Take well, back this? to Twitter. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that Twitter, uh, the way it is at the moment, is it's conforming to its ideological... Um, perspective in terms of mm. the things that it's ob- there obviously, if anybody's on Twitter, knows that there are algorithms where it squashes some stuff, yeah. promotes other stuff, yeah, yeah. the people it bans. Uh, and the shadow
1: banning, which really does yeah. happen and people thought that was a paranoid conspiracy theory. If you don't Follow Twitter. Essentially, shadow banning means you, you, you no carry on tweeting, stuff, but they yeah. have various ways of... of yeah, they don't tell you. Yeah. They don't yeah. tell you that but no you one can see your tweets. Yeah. Well, that's not,
2: it. Yeah. And, no, and I've been shadow banned for years, and then it just turned out I was rubbish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, that's what
1: people say, isn't it? But it's, it, is, it plays with your head, absolutely. But it's funny, I have several people whose tweets I love, and I suddenly go, I haven't seen them for ages. No. Where have they gone? And you go, and they are tweeting, but it's somehow been... You get de-boosted,
0: removed. is what yeah. they call it. And it's, it's often due to your opinions. That's the truth of it. And
1: then there's loads of them as you go... You see, like three or four replies to a tweet, and then it goes, "Click on this if you, if you really want to see." It. Yeah. We this this won't be very nice. And you click on it; it just says "lol" or something. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 somebody who has previously tweeted an unacceptable opinion, exactly. and so they are now tainted. It's, it's like fair. a scarlet letter. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's wish Mr. Musk all the best. Friday's Mail, and apparently lockdown didn't have the effect many feared. Andrew, this is a tiny bit of good news from lockdown. It is a, it is a good system.
0: news. I mean, uh, so this is in the Daily Mail. They're saying that that there, study, the studies are now showing from the Office of National Statistics that lockdown didn't trigger a spike in suicides, and in fact, the suicide rate dropped um, from the year before. Uh, so this would suggest that. Obviously, all of our worst fears were, you know, we're going to lock everyone up and everyone's, everyone's – uh, it's, not, it's not good for your mental health, obviously. Um, but it turns out the statistics don't back that up. So um, the ONS has said that the overall suicide rate was 9.8 deaths per 100,000 people from April to December 2020. And that was a 9% decrease. Compared to two thousand and nineteen so it's very, it, it 's a
1: very small dropped. number and, and I think we should you know absolutely emphasize that, that we 're not in the midst of any kind of uh, panic yeah. these things are often exaggerated people say oh it 's the leading cause of death in young people, that's because we're so good now at keeping them alive from everything else. Yes. But I do think it maybe also does conceal serious mental health issues. It often happens that during war or other times of serious crisis, suicide rates go down, but it's not because people cheer up. No, that's It's not because they think, oh, life is great. It's because they're sort of under too much pressure to have the luxury of thinking do you know what, I can't take it anymore. There is, it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like yeah. it moves down yeah. your to-do list. It's a kind well, of me, weird,
0: yeah. I think it's really important with this story that it's not spun yeah. into the sense of, well, wasn't lockdown a good thing there? It, yeah. you know, lockdown was clearly bad for people's mental health. But there, but there are other statistics that are coming up here. For instance, we, people had assumed uh, that conceptions would rise because people are at home hmm. having a lot of sex, I suppose. That and that happened didn't happen either. You don't get this baby
2: boom thing. Well, I know exactly why that was. Yeah, <laughs> that's because everybody was at home with their kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like
2: I am having no more kids.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was hard actually to, uh, to
2: <laughs> feel very sexy in those circumstances. It was just like when, you, when you're homeschooling, you're like, I will yeah, never yeah. procreate again. Yeah. But isn't it just
0: that the, the the passion goes out of a relationship if you see too much of the other person? I think yeah. distance stains. Or sustains almost a anything. Yeah. In
2: fact, really. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you want to do is, is teenage pregnancies
2: going down, which is good. So that's. I will be homeschooling my daughter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, though, Josh? Are you worried, seriously, about... I mean, you have got a large family. Have you seen your kids? Do they seem okay? Broadly speaking, uh, some of them. Yeah, I mean, has <laughs> that got anything true. to do with lockdown? Just a uh, general. State. My daughter's 18 on, <laughs> yeah. on Sunday. You know, that's two years of her life. Pretty crucial two years. Uh, I feel years really of sorry for, for those kids, for the
2: you know? for the person, the people who've been affected most. are my children, the smaller ones are okay, and because yeah. they have older siblings, like they have dogs, people to play with. They yeah, they could it. just <laughs> get on with it. So they had a. But the real problem was the uh, the eight. What was then seven and eight. Because right. that was really crucial time socializing. in their socialising, but in their school learning, and they're still yeah. behind. I was not a good homeschool. I tried my best, but it's it was I was doing three difficult. at the same time yeah. of the five. It was a nightmare. So they're still suffering. They're still behind, and that that is going to be felt for a long time. Now. I've been. My son is
1: is like first year of GCSE, so there's mm. no big exams this summer. But he's had revision over over the Easter holidays, and I've been trying to help him with things that I thought I knew about, like war poetry or Macbeth. You know and you just find it's it's the worst thing. If you think you know anything about the subject, you realize half an hour has gone past. He's completely bored out of his mind. You've just been talking about you know, professional. your views about uh, yeah. you know, Wilfred Owen or something. I need to be able to identify alliteration, you know, assonance. I don't need your view on why it was that the officer class had so many nervous breakdowns on this particular
2: front or something. All I did was use sweets to illustrate every math. math (laughs) You've got three sweets and then there's two. Everything's about sweets. It's... Yeah. Friday's right. Times,
1: Virgin Media are offering a novel health care plan to their staff, Just what's this?
2: Yeah, so they're offering, uh, this is in the Times, and they're offering a sex change treatment uh, to staff as a diversity and inclusion perk. Uh, sex change to their staff. S- to their Sounds staff. To and said, so there's well, a quite a few... <laughs> funny things or interesting things here, because first of all, the statistics, the way that it works out is, uh, according to a study in 2016 in the Journal of Sexual Medicine, 355 out of every 100,000 people self-identify as transgender, and only 9.2 of those 100,000 actually are going through a sex change. Now, if you compare that to Virgin Media's workforce, that means that of their 18,000 employees, fewer than 20 are going to self-identify as trans, and actually only one of them will want surgery. So it's, it's
1: such a brilliant, like, uh, so really it's easy going to cost them bit of a publicity of for them, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? And they're going to have to pay for one.
2: But the, but the interesting thing, so they want to... The, I mean, this is part of an entire package of diversity inclusion. One yeah. of the things is they're trying to get 50% of their workforce uh, uh, to be uh, in the, the sort of higher-ups uh, to be women. So this could be one of the ways they could do that, is just yeah. make more of the men women... And then that's that solves the problem. Get them yeah, to transition. Get them transition and or self-identify. I can't as women. I think if a company got...
1: called Virgin, they should be offering to restore hymens as well. What do you think? Uh, uh, that,
0: oh yeah, the old medieval restoration of the hymen. Yeah, thing, yeah. yeah,
1: that could be something that could be valuable uh, <laughs> to a lot of people.
0: <laughs> it's, it's interesting, yeah. like you say, it's not just about about um, transgender people. It's also yeah. about it's gender parity. It's also ethnic minority parity. Oh. And, and again, they're talking about here one of their pledges: they want twenty-five um, percent of the staff, the organisation, to come from minority ethnic groups. Although 15% of the country are minority ethnic. I mean, I, I kind of, I always think about this, stop patronising ethnic minorities, just hire the best people and, and you'll be fine. You know, that's, that's yeah. my view of that. Well,
1: we're all going to be an ethnic minority in about 20 years' time. I think, aren't oh, we So hopefully it'll all fade away at that point. Is that right? Um, well, I don't know, 2050, something like that. Minority, majority, minority country. I think mm-hmm. just, you know, just treat everyone well, equally. And, in London. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's no, there's no majority uh, ethnicity in London now, so that, that whole notion is essentially redundant, really. Although yeah, I mean... It still lingers. Guardian now and a teachers union is ringing the alarm bells regarding the culture wars, Andrew.
0: Oh, uh so sorry, I if We let one. I I think so. Is this the story about the uh sorry, the union? Oh no, this union, one sorry. Yeah. yeah, okay. So this is a um Sorry, I have to say
2: this is not one I've read.
0: Okay, so you're going to have to introduce. This I'll story. do. But Josh, yeah, 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 I yeah, didn't yeah, get a copy of this. Right. One. Oh, you
2: didn't get? Well, no. uh, so yeah, this is. But well, this would have been a perfect story for you as a former ah. teacher involved in the culture wars uh, that technically it don't exist. It's, it's perfect it. for me. Why this did they not the give great, me this? This is, says your name right there. Anyway, so um, but yes, they are. The NEU is having their conference at the moment, and one of the things that they're talking about is they want to ensure that Black history, cultures, and perspectives have proper recognition in all subjects. All year round, so I don't know exactly how that's going to work in things like maths mm. or biology, I or yeah, I, I, you know, my children, like I say, are, they're all uh, at school. The, uh, certainly, the primary school ones who I help with their home work, homework, homework, yeah. they come back with a lot of great, and it's really interesting stuff. But during Black History Month and mm. learning about slavery, learning about uh, uh, Martin Luther King, they, Malcolm X, they, they, yeah. they, a lot of this stuff, and, and different cultures. So there's there's a lot of it, and I'm not saying there's like too much of it, no. but it just seems like there's a lot of no, it. You, you want to be
0: wary here because the National Education Union are effectively an activist group now. They're not really a trade union at all, yeah. and they've called for all sorts of things like they want to decolonize the curriculum at every level of the school system. See, they're yeah, talking it should about should have been your story. Well, they're, but they're talking about how they want. Uh, teachers to be activists, which is the worst possible advice. I mean, they are uh, a joke of a union, if I may put it frankly. And, yeah, it and- does
1: sound like that. If they, if they, it sounds like they're asking for something so ridiculously extreme that yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, the schools will then try and find some compromise to keep them quiet, that will really, still be too
0: extreme. It's really bad. They've been completely captured, this union. And yeah. they, you know, it's a national... Because the NUG yeah, is
1: the most famous one, is it? But
0: the NEU is the biggest. Is it uh, really? and, and this is the problem. has it's, it's been big,
1: captured?
2: Yeah, oh, completely. 100%. Well, yeah, yeah. a lot of my friends, actually, who are teachers, left the NEU yeah. during last year's uh, what was happening in Gaza and stuff, because they were saying, go out there and go to these marches. against Even though right. Israel was getting thousands of yeah, missiles yeah. and sent were. were it's like, wait a minute, Israel's being attacked here, and so a lot of my friends no, who they, are Jewish teachers were like, wait a minute, why are you not doing this for any of the other wars? Well, this why is the problem.
0: Not- they, they take these stances and then, of course, if you're a member but you don't align yourself with those stances, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. So I would advise teachers to get out of the NEU. I don't think that they're helpful. I mean, they were even talking about things like the layout of the desks in classrooms can can be an indicator of white supremacy and can... Pep- I mean, seriously, kind of Robin DiAngelo-level I mean, insanity. They really insanity. work
1: for it. Sort of well, clearly. Like a swastika arrangement. You, can, yeah, that's, <laughs> you could do it. Like, yeah, that would mess up your feng shui a little bit, wouldn't it? Evolving, so but, is, is it? Is it like um, like? actually affecting the way children are experiencing school at the moment or do you think it's affecting the mental health of teachers who feel it's good I mean do you really feel it's like something that, that, that parents should be worried about um, I think, think
0: a lot of parents are going to end up having to de-radicalise their kids when they come home from school yeah. you know it's not people say it's not widespread but it really is I get messages from teachers all, all the time sending me screenshots of the powerpoints that they've had to sit through yeah. or the, the books they're meant to read and, and it's all activist intersectional nonsense yeah. uh, which is being propagated as though it's you see
1: a lot of but I see a lot of meetings in America that get filmed, yeah, get yeah. shared, and so you get that sense. Worse of in America, race theory—it is worse, but of course, it, it's only always the same calculation. It's five years down the road. It's just it comes it's, here?
0: exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've already had you know pupils separated by race yeah. uh, in extracurricular activities at the American school in London, the most expensive day school in London. So you know, it, it does. No, come I will over say, here.
1: I have uh, this one DM group I'm on, on Twitter where there's a sort of couple of journalists and so on who talk about this, and they say one of the funny things is that actually a lot of the Asian parents are the ones who are most alert to this and get in most quickly. They're quite conservative, they have their own values and they're confident about them, whereas it's actually a lot of middle-class white liberal parents who are too anxious about making a
2: fuss and don't want to say anything. I think that could be sort of spread to pretty much a lot of most issues. I think it could be
1: possible. (laughs) So some people will believe anything these days, including fake news. We're all aware of that. A tale of confirmation bias explains much of it. This is from... The Daily Mail, Andrew.
0: Yes, this is the London Business School are saying that people knowingly uh, buy into lies and fake news because they want to believe that eventually these things will manifest themselves, that it will come true. Uh, And it it even comes down to things like the researchers are saying that, for instance, if someone writes on their CV that they can do something, they have a skill, uh, but they don't. uh, But in their heads, they're thinking, well, one day I will acquire that skill. They justify it to themselves and they don't actually see it as lying. It's
1: pre-truth, isn't it? Pre-truth. Yes, that's
0: the phrase. And and this article is sort of suggesting that as a result of that, people are more susceptible to fake news and misinformation, because they sort of think, well, even if it's not true, maybe it will become well, true. You know? I and mean, There's
1: also some justification to that. It depends on the circumstances. Fake it till you make it is not regarded as an immoral activity, is it? We've all done that. You, you, when, you when you try and get a job as a stand-up, the first time you do five or ten minutes, you try and look a lot more confident like than you are. True. You know? That's not a lie, but it's a sort of presentation skill, isn't it? If you say yes. to somebody... Yes, I have got 30 hours of dog walking experience. Before you've got 30 hours of dog walking experience and then you lose somebody's dogs, so they're entitled to be a bit miffed. But, you know, there are certain situations... What
2: sort of a CV are you reading for dogs? <laughs> How seriously do you take your dog? <laughs> I demand a CV. But, was, um...
1: but if somebody came up to me and said, I've never walked a dog before... I, don't, I barely recognise a dog, but I'd love to have a go at it, if you're willing to trust me. I probably wouldn't let no, that be my dog, you know. But, that's,
0: oh. that's true, but I think it's the, the connection between that and, and the step into this is why people believe fake news more, that's yeah, yeah. quite an interesting uh, mm-hmm. leap. And, I mean, I would have thought, but isn't this at the heart of the... Uh... The, the American dream. I mean, so many, so many sort of very poor people in America will vote in right-wing uh, parties yeah. because they think one day it will be them who are the millionaires. And it will be, you know, this is, this is well, part uh, of the, it. The
1: famous calculation that people say is, you know, if it's if it's something you want to be through, can I believe that? You see a headline story and it's something that accords with your biases. Can I believe that? And if yes. you see one that goes against them, do i have to believe that yes you know and and i think most people do quite quickly bracket stories into one of those
0: well there's something at the moment with it, this thing of belief perseverance you know when you when you, particularly on social media when you say something when these people assert things and you show them that they're wrong yeah. and they don't say oh i'm wrong so i yeah. thank you for yeah, correcting yeah. me they double down you know and you, you or they call
1: you a bot or they say you're a bot
2: exactly
0: yeah. <laughs> and i i i've always found that fascinating because if someone proves me wrong, I'm grateful because then I won't embarrass oh, myself sure. by saying stupid things, There's you know? a
2: really funny video online. I just watched the other day. I'm sorry this is one of the things I happen to know about, but it's just, there was this person went out into, like, a Labour march in sort of 2019 pre-election and said, like, this is what Boris Johnson has said about Jews and, like, what do you think about that? And they were like, everyone's like, oh my God, that's so disgusting. And, like, all these different examples. They'd tell you, it was, what if I tell you those are all Jeremy Corbyn? And they... The, you, there was yeah. a, they just their brains could not handle it. They were like, oh, well, no, you know... Well, maybe he didn't mean that, maybe he yeah, was yeah. being ironic. It was, <laughs> it was really funny. That's it's fascinating, It's a really isn't it? funny video, yeah. yeah. I think there is definitely
1: some truth to it. I think it's an ongoing conversation, though. It is interesting as well to notice that a lot of this sort of stuff is part of that replication crisis in psychological experiments. Mm. I think there's definitely a part of human nature that does this, but always with these studies as well, it's worth taking them with a pinch of salt because they are in themselves things you want to believe. Yes. You know what I mean? We all yeah. like to think that people... Well, it is are, in the Daily this, Mail, you know, so yeah. we... <laughs> Friday's Mail also has cancel culture in comedy. This is Catherine Tate, who um, I used to know quite well. I haven't seen her for many years. Did very you with her? Well, I had a snog with her in Edinburgh Festival. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was about 2000... Maybe about 2000, 2001, something like that. Anyway, no, I got married in 2001. Can't be that. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> careful. Anyway, very, very funny woman,
2: of course. Um, She's, she's not happy about the, the, the eggshells on which we're all walking. Well, I'm not happy reading this article because, as I said, she told BBC's Headliners podcast... Uh-huh. Oh, ..which well. turns out to be four years old. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never heard of it. Yeah, exactly. Needs <laughs> nothing, <I> yeah. <laughs> Confirmation for uh, Yeah, bias. Podcast, <laughs> uh, And, uh, yeah, she's saying to them that uh, council Culture, yeah, is waging a war on comedy... Uh, it's interesting when people start coming out, and because there are some people, of course, who deny that cancel culture exists at all. Mm. Um, I don't know about you guys, how you feel when you're on stage, and uh, I feel like it's not that you can't talk about stuff anymore; you just have to be a bit clever about how yeah. you get to yeah. it. That's personally. My well, I don't think that's cancel
0: culture. Cancel culture is yeah. this uh, retributive system yeah. of attacking people and destroying their lives for something they've said. I, mean, I, that's, think, th- yeah.
2: I think there is a feeling that there's a fear. That something can be taken out of context. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think that does hold you back. And I don't also, be, in terms of being funny, it's about having this kind of unfiltered access to your psyche, to your id or But whatever. don't you think
0: it's different being on stage? I mean, like, the, the, the number of times now I watch old shows, I mean, uh, you know, things like Brass Eye, obviously, and you watch and think, that would never be made today, so, you know, we're losing yeah. out. Yeah. But at the same time, even an episode of Friends, you think that would never be made yeah, today exactly either. Right. You know, so, yeah,
1: yeah. And that is a problem, isn't it? Because you it know, stifles... It is a problem, definitely. I do think you're right. I think stand-ups on stage, generally speaking, they may be monitoring themselves, but it's not, that's not the... For the me, the, for shoes, the most shoes, dangerous shoes. thing. Yeah, yeah. The most TV. Da- yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, for me, to be honest, still the worst parts of cancer culture are in academia, for instance. Yes. You know, completely mm-hmm. harmless chemistry Nobel Prize winners making some off-color joke in a cheese and wine party and their entire...
2: Apparatus yeah. of,
1: of professional standing is dismantled by the by the following morning. You know that kind of thing yeah. It's absolutely terrible. I think stand ups have always kind of yeah. you know I mean, Jimmy Carr's
2: of... still Jimmy Carr exactly. Y- you yeah, know, you can get away with
1: for, it. for a lot well,
0: but, but I think what Catherine Tate is absolutely right about is she's made a specific point that the jokes are often willfully misconstrued, yes. right? Mm. So you know it's all very well people misunderstanding and there are a lot of people who seem to have very literal minds when yeah, it comes yeah. to comedy these days. But if you take the you know the, the the Jimmy Carr joke, the way it was reported, it's as though he People genuinely believed he was celebrating mass death. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how idiotic, frankly, idiotic.
1: But then it becomes a thing, doesn't it, very much as with Joe and the joke about throwing uh, acid in Nigel Farage's face. It becomes... Yeah. More problematic when those people are protected by people on the left, who then come after people on the right. You know what I mean? There's yeah. This kind of like, well, if you're going to make that set of rules for your guys, then we have oh, no, to. Oh no! You apply absolutely them. have to be consistent. And this kind of thing just goes round and round and round. Everyone gets really fed up with the inconsistency about uh, the whole thing. Well,
2: she's got a movie coming out. Anyway, yeah, ah. <laughs> she'll do all right. But it is interesting, you know, her
1: targets. One of her targets was Am I bothered That was that was her most famous character. Mm. That and Nan, Nan is the movie I think. But Am yes. I bothered? Mm. she was the like the sort of chav, right? Well, I mean, Owen Jones, for one, would definitely say that the Chav is a far from harmless stereotype, that there were a whole class of people who were essentially demonized sort of... Yeah, yeah, oh, well, I mean, in, in, right. in
0: his book, Chavs, there's a yeah. whole chapter on Little Britain,
1: right. which he yeah. feels
0: is particularly aggressive and antagonistic. And I can to the work sort of see his
1: point if you're going to see everybody else's point as well. Yeah. You know, you don't, it's sure. always kind of arbitrary. Jack Dorsey uh, has... <laughs> he is he's the owner of Twitter, which we described earlier, and funnily enough, he has himself... Uh, express some dismay at the direction it's gone in ever since. But um, his, his first tweet has been sold as an NFT. Who wants to explain to the nice well, people what an NFT is? Well, I, you know, I
0: don't understand this sort of stuff, but, I, but I've read the article. Token. Non-fungible token. So, you know, I mean, we're in the realm of digital and Bitcoin and that kind of thing, which I have absolutely no understanding of. But effectively, uh, the first ever tweet by Jack Dorsey, uh, the NFT of that tweet, uh, which is sort of the digital marker that sort of identifies it, was initially sold for $2.9 million to this person, mm. Sina Estavi. And then Sina Estavi uh, sold it on or, and, and was claiming that this would sell for $25 million or, a, or mm. over fi- $50 million, ended up hitting $280 as the top wow. bid. Yeah. Um, it's still going on. I think at the moment, the highest bid at the moment is 6000 yeah. And And um, ultimately, I don't think it will get sold. But the point about this is it, it is valueless, isn't some it? Of these,
1: some of these uh, NFTs are works of art. Yes. Uh, they are created by graphic artists, but they're in a the digital medium, which means they can be perfectly reproduced, exactly like a CD can. Yes. So it is a, an attempt To introduce the traditional pricing mechanism for works of art, which were unique, they could be reproduced, but they were not the same as the original, into things which are, in fact, infinitely reproducible to the absolutely nth degree. Is
0: it like a note of provenance, then, or something? Yes, it's a thing to
1: say, this is the
2: official top, or this is the official digital art, but... But there are copyright issues because these people spent millions buying... There was this famous book that was made, that this unfilmed Dune book, which was all the yes. art from this mm-hmm. film. Yes. And they Jordan bought Ross it and said, right, yeah. we've got it. We, we put together six million, we bought it, now we're going to make the film. And then they pointed out, actually, you you don't own... Yeah. That content at all. You just own the NFT of it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. but I'm gonna take I'm gonna buy the NFT of the tweet of someone offering two hundred and eighty dollars <laughs> yeah. for the tweet. Absolutely That's a whole new level. Messer. Of
1: now Friday's Mail tells us the traits that make somebody I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word, it says Probably it's not. A-hole, so we'll it with that. Yeah. A- an A-hole. This is uh, the the, um, the five part sort of personality matrix, which Jordan Peterson talks a lot about. It's not not particularly new, but what mm. are they, they've they've found the perfect recipe for making somebody disobliging. They
2: yeah, well, they're saying these are the key characteristics. Yeah, uh, manipulation. Hmm? Yep, aggression, <laughs> entitlement. Middle-aged men, most people. Yeah, it's like it's like. Is that true
1: <laughs> entitlement? I don't know. I feel a little bit uh, aggrieved at middle middle-aged men being.
2: Uh, ascribed... Well, as that's a classic middle-aged men
0: thing to say. I sort of don't understand this study, though. You know, like you said, there's the five personality types, the mm. yeah. conscientiousness, openness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neur- neuroticism. Why are these uh, people at Franklin College of Arts and Sciences studying what makes you an a-hole? What, yes. what, like that isn't a personality type. That's no. just a not very nice individual. That's just a nice thing to say. You study. don't need to study that. We and know the way what they it's are. It's
1: been written as well. is as if you are these things or not. These are all spectrums. Everyone right. is on the introversion-extroversion int- mm. spectrum. They're all on the agreeable-disagreeable spectrum. Yeah. And some of these things, you know, certain kinds of people tend to be high. The high achievers tend to be extraordinarily conscientious, generally speaking. And
0: disagreeable. And
1: disagreeable and not very neurotic. <coughs> they have thick skin. They don't mm. care what people say about them. Consequently, they're not particularly nice to people because they don't care what happens to them. And then they work late. And that mm. pretty much guarantees yeah. success, but they've success.
2: It's nice they're different examples, though, of what constitute a-holes like in yeah. terms of their thing. So they've said some people consider those uh, for, for not wearing a face mask or voting Donald Trump. And <laughs> no, I thought, well, well there, there, we there might be a bit of a crossover. Yeah. With those, I think it's those a subjective term, isn't it? Yes, I think yes. other people will have different definitions. Everybody... There is
1: the dark triad, which is much more interesting, oh, but that's God. not what they're talking about. No, no. That's the psychopaths, no. isn't it? The yeah. next one, from the mirror, this certainly, this this young man does not have any a-hole qualities. An extraordinarily good a, a role model for young people is a young wheelchair user who has managed to do a backflip on a, in a skate park, I think, on his sort of yeah, inverted...
0: He... Yes, this is Benjamin Sleet, um, who's a 12-year-old boy, wheelchair-bound, and has managed to perform a backflip um, at this skateboard event, which is ab- absolutely astonishing. So I assume he's and
1: sort of it, gone down into a bowl, has he? And, and uh, yeah. Other, yeah, I mean,
0: you know, I, uh, this is—I don't know what you can say about this. It, it puts people like us
1: to shame. He's already in a wheelchair, (laughs) so one of the things that you're afraid of when you attempt one of these stunts is is of no longer of any consequence for him. Yes, yes, there is that. that, But but it still seems to be
0: extraordinarily brilliant. I I would imagine there's still quite a lot of jeopardy involved in this kind of manoeuvre. I wish we had
1: footage of it. I haven't seen it. It's only in the newspaper. No, I haven't seen the footage. I have to say, I take my my son goes down to the skate park in Brighton. It's quite a sort of busy one on the level down there, and it is fantastic what what kids are capable of doing. And it went away. I remember when I was about sort of 15 in the late 70s, early 80s, skateboarding was quite big and then it went away for about twenty or thirty years, but it's really come back it was now. Big
2: Back to the Future was big, like eighty five. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But now there are the BMX bikes, scooters and skateboards all sort of intermingling in this quite you know three-dimensional space of them leaping out of yeah. bolts and stuff.
0: I, I find it incredible. Popular. I mean I was jealous yeah. when I was a kid like yeah. all my yeah. friends used to have BMX they used to go on the BMX track. Yeah. I used to have to do it with stabilizers. I know. And I'm I couldn't so do hopeless. these you know yeah. sort of things. I
1: am absolutely and oh. I never could do it on the skateboard. Edward is not a natural but he has he has persevered. That's I think quite, the fear pressure is good for my try I took yeah.
2: my kids down and my son he just—he wouldn't go down the ramp yeah. and I was like look mate just watch how you've got to commit to it Did you and get it? I, I went down I just fell. And I <laughs> as soon as I oh. went like that, I went, I leaned back, which was oh, like, exactly yeah. what I was telling him not to do.
0: Yeah, of course. And
2: I, no, no, I landed right on my butt. Oh, they yeah. were filming it, and there's all this fo- there's footage of me literally, like, dark, like, oh! This yeah.
1: Oh, I
2: wish we could play that. You should have brought that in. <laughs> it's it's just properly traumatised. <laughs>
1: Friday's Express is tackling why humans outlive most land mammals and reach 80 years of age, Josh. This has previously been thought to be just size, but size. it's more complex than
2: that. It is more complex than that. And and this is one of those stories, in, in it's i expressed here, where um, this could be a huge deal. I mean, this yeah. could unlock ageing dying. And basically, it's yeah. all about um, how many mutations a species has a year. So mice experience 796 mutations a year as your body sort of replicates yeah. its cells, yeah. uh, and they only live 3.7 years, whereas humans, a lot less. So they found this very specific correlation between the mutations and yeah. longevity. And, of course, if they can work out a way... To, to stop these mutations, yeah. I assume that means... I mean, it used to be on. you
1: thought that it was, broadly speaking, correlated with heartbeat per minute, and you'd have yeah. the same number of heartbeats and larger... I read a book a while ago, and it's, I need to read, read it. It's called Scale by Geoffrey West, and it's all about how things scale up and they don't just stay the same. You have to sort of factor in that things are three-dimensional. He started off with Godzilla. He said he's always been... He's, he's a, like a scientist who... He uh, works at the Santa Fe Institute, which sounds like a wonderful place where scientists just go and drink coffee for 12 years on a grant, you know, and chat to each other. But he says every time they bring out a new Godzilla movie, the, you know, the radio stations will ask him, could Godzilla exist? Could, it, could you have a 50-metre-tall lizard? He said, if you did, it would be just one huge foot. That's that's that would be the kind of size of, of the 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 bone structure you would need to support that weight of animal. Right. It would just be a foot with a head on it. All the way these things scale up, and, and the way cell division and so on goes on it's, is all to do with scale. And it's a fascinating subject,
2: but it's quite counterintuitive.
0: But does this mean, though, that if they do unlock this, that humans potentially could live forever? If I we
2: think? can stop that, if we can slow down the mutations or whatever in the way, because when we get older and it's our body, well, this is why on, we get cancer. Isn't? Yeah, ca- cancer, and that's what kill, and that's why we. About is that why years? lobsters live forever? Is that, is that a myth that I've been told? Well, they that... do,
1: essentially, if they're able to keep uh, getting new shells. Yes, I think they can live almost indefinitely. And then there is that kind of weird shark, isn't there, that washed out the other day, the Greenland shark, is it was, lived to be yeah. 560. By me. 500, I wouldn't want to.
2: Really? How long do you want to...? Oh, I think... Another
1: ten seconds. N- n- yeah, <laughs> <Another> 10 <laughs> end, seconds. <laughs> end of this <laughs> show. <God we've> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I do think we're going to live to see the first uh, infinitely long-lived human being. Anyway, that's all we have time for. Thank you to my guests. I've been Simon Evers. They've been Andrew Doyle and Josh Howie. We will see you here again tomorrow night. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again.
0: And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.